Instead of just referring to the Torah, to the letter of the law, to settle religious questions, Jesus told stories that were often head scratchers and downright earthy and seemed to have no obvious spiritual value at all. My church out in Chester County, Pennsylvania had an elaborate Christmas bazaar every year. I mean, this went beyond your traditional church bazaar with vendors came in from around the community and our own people set up shop and took up every level of the CLC and the education wing and uh, it was quite an uh, annual event. Uh, churches are well known for their youth fundraisers, quilt and craft and bake sales. Many an ambitious kid has been known to work the coffee hour crowd in the narthex or our welcome center selling Girl Scout cookies or all manner of school fundraisers. I can't even imagine how many of frozen pizzas and fruit and all kinds of other strange items I have purchased uh, from ambitious sales kids out there. Well, today's reading is often entitled The Cleansing of the Temple, which has always sounded wrong to me, like Jesus was in there with a bottle of Lysol or something, rather than throwing over tables of the money changers, running off the animals with whips made of cords. In other versions, the religious leaders demand to know by what authority Jesus is doing these things. In John, uh, they want some kind of sign that Jesus has the authority to cause such a ruckus in the holy temple. That's really always the question. It's always about authority, about who has power and control. Most of us have a kind of vague idea that we are supposed to hold to a separation of church and state in this country, but most of us would also agree that the standard for that has never been well-defined or attained. Some believe there is too much, state in, uh, too much church in the state, uh, too much of a certain type of religious influence of, of the government impacting everything from Middle East policies to immigration, women's health care issues, and beyond. Others recognize the dangers of too much state in the church, the melding of national politics and certain types of religious faith resulting in the kind of white Christian nationalism on display during the insurrection, for instance, at the Capitol on January 6th, where some rioters carrying Christian banners and even large crosses thought they were in the right place, doing the right thing. At the time Jesus entered the temple courts, there was an awful lot of the state influencing religion. Occupying Roman officials appointed the chief priest at the temple to make sure their government interests were a priority. No call committee, prayerfully discerning who might be called as pastor, the government decides who gets the job. 
Why? It's always about authority and about who has power and control. Jesus was not exactly what anyone expected in a Messiah. Born in Bethlehem of all places, born to parents without any religious credentials to speak of, certainly no political status other than being an Ancestry.com distant descendant of King David. And Jesus starts out by calling his first followers people who had no resumes of real importance. Then he healed on the Sabbath day, which broke all the religious rules. He touched lepers and was even seen speaking to women in public and some with damaged reputations. Instead of just referring to the Torah, to the letter of the law, to settle religious questions, Jesus told stories that were often head-scratchers and downright earthy and seemed to have no obvious spiritual value at all. He talked about new commandments, new covenant, as if there was anything wrong with the old. He spoke of new wine. He told stories about new treasures and new cloth and talked about a new community and how anybody, even the most unlikely ones, could belong. If that was not enough, Jesus rode into town on a donkey and the people went wild, waving palm branches, calling him a king. It's right after that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke when Jesus throws the money changers out of the temple and the coins and the doves flew everywhere. But in John's gospel, which we heard today, this event happens closer to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. They knew Jesus could not be the Messiah. What kind of Messiah would stir up so much chaos at the Holy Temple? Or die on a cross? So the religious leaders demand to know by what authority Jesus is doing these things. That's really always the question. It's always about power. About the systems that maintain who has authority. You see, the old ways and the old words had served the religious leaders all their years, served them, and kept them in power. The prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel all talked of a new world coming. I am about to do a new thing. And so fresh visions emerged. New heaven and a new earth, a new covenant for God's destitute, broken people. He promised them a new spirit and a new heart. We sing about it to this day in our liturgies. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We need this reminder because we have always been skittish when it comes to the new, maybe especially in the church. Maybe because we all know the strangeness of some wilderness. These experiences often involve some hurt and pain and enormous anxiety. Every step forward means saying goodbye to something old and stepping into something new again and again. In our second reading, Paul speaks of the foolishness of the cross 
The crucifixion makes no sense in human terms. We value strength in our leaders, not a grisly death at the hands of the authorities. And like the church in Corinth, we still have our squabbles over who is worthy to be at the table or how the poor should be treated and who has the power, privilege, and authority. Jesus is still making room at the table for the marginalized and outcast. This is not an image that fits with our world's notion of success. It is, however, how God works through that scandal to welcome the broken, the hurting, the hopeless, and the helpless. All who are called to see beyond the mirage of power and privilege who are willing to believe in a better way to live and be again and again. And this includes you. The good news is simply that there is a place at the table for you. Jesus fought hard for that place, gave everything for that place. A place of grace and forgiveness and belonging. No matter what you are able to afford, no matter your background or the strength of your faith or fears, there is a place at this table for you. I close with a poem called Breadcrumbs by Sarah R. I used to make decisions with a flip of a coin or eeny, meeny, miny, moe, my mother told me so. That was when the stakes were small, when I was small, when the world was small, back when we thought we knew it all. But you grow up quickly when you start to see that not all have the freedom to love equally or to breathe freely or to protest peacefully. And you grow up quickly when you start to see that the church is shrinking and the world is sick and people are lonely and the news won't quit and no amount of guessing games can right these wrongs. So today I'm going to do my best to tuck my ego in the pocket of my chest. Today I will listen louder than I speak and look for the tables that Jesus is flipping. For our God carved words into stone. Our God led the people in a pillar of smoke. Our God was present in the still, small voice in the middle of the storm and where people rejoice. And if God was showing them the way, then I am confident God is here today dropping breadcrumbs and leaving signs, flipping tables where oppression dines. So yes, I admit, this is harder than before. I cannot use games to decide or keep score. I have to use faith. I have to believe that even today, God is leading. My mother told me so.
don't think I mentioned at the beginning of the service uh, that we gave you a slightly different perspective here this morning. If uh, you are one of our regular worshipers, our camera was losing the battle to uh, some sunlight streaming against uh, the wall behind the altar, so we shifted over just a bit. Uh, so perhaps that can be a metaphor for us this morning. Uh, that, uh, that light that shines in the darkness shall not be overcome and that there is in fact always a place for you at the table of the Lord. A table that extends out across the distance, across the ages, uh, to include both the church on earth and the host of heaven. And so do we go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.